Well, hey, everybody. So good to see you. Thank you for being here this service, this weekend. If you're a guest, welcome to Northridge Church. And if you're a regular tenor, so glad that you're here as well. And I want to say a big hello to all of our campuses because, you know, we are one church but in four locations, right? And so, hey to you, Northridge Celine and Northridge Brighton, Northridge Grosseal. Great to have you with us. And of course, greetings to all of you here at Northridge Plymouth. And we're in this series called 16-Word Christmas. And it's, it's really showing how our mission as a church captures the whole essence of the Christmas story. It's why Jesus came originally in the first place. But as, as we get into this thing, I, I was thinking about how what we're looking at this weekend is so clearly, clearly pictured in how we live out our lives in this culture. But I thought I'd give you a chance to identify it right up front, and then we'll play with it a little bit, and then we'll dig into God's Word together on that as well. But I have this question for you, and I'd love for you to participate. If, if you could name just one need, if you could name just one need that tends to dominate our thoughts and, and tends to drive our pursuits as human beings more than any other, one need, that drives us more than any other, what would that need be? Okay, a bunch of people already said love. It's obvious, right? Love, for sure. In fact, you can really see it in our music, and this is a big deal. Love is at the center of most of our artistic music expression. I mean, it's all about love, generally. In fact, all you have to do is think of the songs that no matter what age range you're in, whether you're young or old, they that have kind of creeped into our lives, become a part of our language, part of our semantic, they're about love. And I'm really going to ask you to play with me. Why not? It's, it's, it's a weekend here at Northridge. We're having fun and play with me. So I'm going to start the lyrics of a song and I'm going to see how many of you can actually finish it off before I get to it. And some of them are going to be a little harder, some a little easier, but it's going to be interesting to see how you get it. Are you ready to play? Are you, are you ready to play? All right, Vanna, spin the wheel. No, not, never mind. Uh, here, here's the first one. What's love got to do with it, got to do with it? And who sang it? Tina Turner, that's right. Uh, here's another one. This is now, I'm sorry, this is going to go way back, but it's also relevant because of uh, the person who sang it. Uh, see how many you get this. Love and marriage, love and marriage, like a horse and carriage. Curiosity, because a lot of you millennials probably will go, what? How, how many had never heard that or didn't know it? Just curious. Most of you have. All right, who sang it? Frank Sinatra. If you want a woman, that's who you go to, right? Okay, Frank Sinatra. All right, so if you're a guy, you know, I mean, if you're me, oh, never mind. I don't even, I'm gonna dig a hole really deep on that one. Music usually gets me in trouble, by the way. <laughs> Here's another set of lyrics. What the world needs now, sweet love. Who sang it? Dionne Warwick sang it. Did someone else sing it? Jackie DeShannon. Okay, Jackie DeShannon, you have to be, what, 102 years old to know that, I guess, but I'm just kidding, I'm just teasing. I love the purist, it's original. I did not know that, so that's a new one on me. Uh, this, is, this is right in kind of my generation. All you need, yeah, sung by Beatles. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's when love music really began, right? <laughs> right, imagine. Uh, <clears throat> I thought I'd throw that in as a pun. 
Here, here's, here, here's another set of lyrics. See if you can get this, and I'm, I'm praying you can't. Looking for love? Okay, you can. I'd ask actually who sang it, but who cares? It's country music, so none of us really care about that. Does anybody know who sang it? Who? Who? You see, I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care. All right. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out of... And it, this is what I found. A lot of times younger people know, you know, older people's music, but older people don't know younger people's music. It's kind of the way it is because parents curse their kids with their music. But, but uh, I, I'm going to kind of move a little bit more contemporary. Let's see how we do, okay? Uh, you'll be the prince. I'll be the princess. It's a love story. <laughs> Thank Jesus you're here. Thank you very, very much. And who sang that? Taylor Swift. That's exactly right. Grandma said, who? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, here's here's uh, another set of lyrics. We found love right. That's right. Where you are and where we are. And it is sung by... Ed Sheeran, very popular musician right now. And then last but not least, All of Me Loves, who sang it? John Legend, that's right. So you see, I mean, love's at the center of all that. And we really do know it. I mean, it's, it's part of our soul, it's part of our essence. And here's what I want you to see. Love is central to our lives as human beings. I mean, it's central. It's right at the core of who we are. And we don't just learn this from our music. Yeah, and not just music. All of our arts about love and all that. But we just don't learn it anecdotally. We don't just believe it because it seems to be the reality of how we live out our lives. But, but we know this because it comes from the Bible. I mean, God has very, very clearly communicated to us the truth that love is central to who we are as human beings. In fact, our, our need for love goes all the way back to the very beginning, to creation, where God created in such a way as to forever stamp us with the reality of how much we need love in our lives. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 and 22. The Lord God said, Adam was already created. Adam was living in a perfect environment. His crib was nice, you know, and he was, he was uh, in a perfect relation for God. Everything was great. And yet look what God says. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make a partner for him, a helper suitable for him. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, and, you know, they, they became one. They, they literally shared love so intimate that they walked, you know, in oneness at that time, which is really what marriage is about. But what's, what did he teach us there? You can be in a perfect place experiencing perfection yourself, everything right in your life, but if you cannot express or experience love, it's not good. I mean, everything about his creation was good. Everything was perfect, and yet it wasn't yet complete for Adam until he had someone to share love with. Love is central to our lives. It's a part of our created reality. Here's the truth that I want you to get, and this, this really is a, a Christmas talk in many ways, because Love is the essence of Christmas. And, but here's the truth that I want you to get. Love is nothing. I, no, love is everything. I, I kind of 
dyslexic out there just for a minute. Life is nothing without love. And I, I, if, I, if I'm sitting where you're sitting listening to me talk, I'd actually buckle at that little bit. Wait a minute. I mean, I know love's important. Love's central. Love's a big deal. But lo, lo, life is nothing without love. I'd start pressing against that a bit. I'd start arguing with that a bit. And this is how I hope you, hope you listen to me as a communicator. I hope you just don't absorb everything. I hope that you push against it, feel it, because in so doing, you'll weave it more into the fabric of your life. But life is nothing without love. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really stretch this truth a bit, and then I'm going to prove it to you, okay? Life is worthless without love. Life is empty without love. Life is lonely without love. Life is absolutely of no benefit without love. And I'm not the one who sa says that. God says that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Of what good is a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal? None. Nothing. It's worthless. It's of no benefit. All about Have you watched the gong show? One worthless television show from the 70s. One of many, I might add. All right. Then it goes on to the next verse. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can literally move mountains, I mean, think about the power of that, but have not love, I am nothing. If you have every capacity to live life at the highest plane and to make a difference at the highest plane, but you don't have love, that life is nothing. A life without love is nothing. And then look at the last verse. If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I mean, God's the one that says it. Life is nothing without love. And I want to share with you, this is going to be an interesting conversation that we're having in this talk. I want to share with you, you know, the reason I, that this is true. I, I want to share with you very, very clearly what, what the reality is of that means in our lives. I want to share with you the problem we have with this thing, and then I want to share with you the result. And after that, then we can start applying it into our lives, all right? But, but what's the reason that life is nothing without love? And it's simple. God created us for love. That's why he created us. He created us for love. In fact, you realize if it wasn't for him being love, God is love, he would have never created us. It was out of his love and for love that he created us. That's the only reason we exist. We never existed to be objects of, of God's observance. We weren't some kind of weird God experiment. God created us out of love because he wanted a love relationship with us. It's what he's always had, Father, Son, and the Spirit. The three in one are in this consistent love relationship and that love created us so that we could be in relationship with him and with one another that's how we were created that's why we created love is at the center of everything we are as human beings it's not an accident that music centers on love that most great literature centers on love that our lives are so profoundly driven by it God created us for it and and you need to know this. God created us first for his love 
and then for love with one another. And that order is really, really important. We were created as relational beings in God's image, and life is incomplete, life is empty, and life is literally, and this is important to hear, impossible to experience in its fullness without love. Because love's the defining need of our lives. And I can prove this to you again. We've already read 1 Corinthians 13, but, but Jesus was asked. Some people came to Jesus and said, hey, you know, man, there's just so many things that God has said. There's so many commands, so many things that people are dealing with. What? What's the greatest command? What's the greatest thing? What? What's the one thing upon which everything else depends? And look what God says in Matthew 22. It's known as the great command. Starting in verse 37, Jesus replied, this is the great command. This is upon which everything else finds its meaning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but it's interesting and it's very important to see it. He couldn't stop with that. He says, that's the highest. There is no doubt about it, but you can't experience that without the second, which is just like it. They're one and the same thing. And look at what the second is. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this statement. All the law and all the prophets, every ounce of truth that God has ever communicated out, every expectation for humanity, everything we're supposed to experience in this world and this life, all of it hang on these two commandments. Why? Because love is the central reality of humanity. It's the central need. It's what we were created for. Life is nothing without love. We were created for love. And isn't it interesting how little we're experiencing in this world? I mean, we're looking for it. We want it. We'll do anything for it. We compromise ourselves all the time for it. And it makes sense. We were created for it, but, but we don't have to compromise ourselves for it because there's a good way to get to it. Here's the reality that I want you to see about, about this issue of love. Our lives will never be full. Our lives will never be complete without it, without love. They just won't be. Doesn't matter what you try to fill your life with, without love, the kind of love that God can give us and that we can share with one another when we know God, our lives will never be fulfilled. Jesus, this is part of why he said, I've come to give you life and life to the full film in all of its fullness. Why? Because he came to give us love back. This world of darkness that we, we live in. That's why John 3.16 is so powerful. God so loved the world he sent his son. Just as he created out of love, why did he come to redeem us? Out of love. It's really, really important. So if you want to experience fullness in life, if you want your life to be whole, complete, to make sense, to be, to use a contemporary word, functional instead of dysfunctional, love has to be, the right kind of love has to be at the center of it. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, and there are many of those, does not know God, because God is love. Do you see it? I mean, if you're going to experience fullness, if you're going to experience completion, yeah, you... It's not going to happen without love. You're going to have a relationship with God, a relationship with others. It's going to be centered on this. But the important thing that I want you to notice this passage teaches us is that our ability to love flows out of the love we experience from God. Did you see it? I mean, God is love. And everyone who loves has been born of God, obviously, because you can't love properly without it. And you know God. But if you don't love properly, it's because you don't know God. You're not walking with him, experiencing him and his love in your life. 
Because God's love. And then it says, this whole thing flows from him. So a lot of people think, oh, church is something I'm supposed to add on to my life. You know, this whole spiritual thing, something I add on to my life. I mean, uh, so that my life can be complete. You know, I've got to spend time with my physical stuff, got to spend stuff, time on emotional stuff, got to spend time on relational stuff, got to spend time, a little bit of spiritual stuff, throw church on there. Maybe God will grant me a couple of my wishes if I go to church enough and give at Christmas. Hey, there's a Christmas offering. If we could give to that, maybe I'll get four wishes next year. And we, we, we tack on the spiritual thing as if it's a component. It's not a component. It's everything. God at the center is the only way life can take on its wholeness. If you want balance and completion in your life, it's not going to be by trying to balance out all these different things. It's going to be by putting God first with nothing even close to its equal and everything will flow out of that. Because this is how we were created. This is what we long for and need. And yet our music makes it really clear. We long for this kind of love, but we're not experiencing it. Our heart is sick for this kind of love, but we're not experiencing it. And that leads us to the problem. It leads us to the explanation for why we're missing love in our lives. Why it's not there. It it explains the reason why we mess up in love so much. And I don't know about you, but, and maybe I shouldn't say this about you. I can say it about me. I mess up in love a lot. You don't believe in miracles? I've been married 38 years. My wife is, the miracle of forgiveness has somehow been given to her. She's crazy. It's like, I I do. And I'd just be curious out of uh, this crowd. I mean, I'm hoping one or two of you at least would be like me. How many of you have ever messed up at love? Wow. You know what's impressive? Some of you didn't raise your hands. (laughs) I'd love to be sitting next to you right now and going, you what? You know, it's like... We, we've all messed up in love. Why? Well, it's the, it's the problem of our nature. You see, by nature, on our own, when we try to do life on our own, as we all do, none of us can fully know, none of us can fully experience God's love. Not on our own. Now, this is a problem because we were designed and created to first experience God's love And in being filled up with God's love, we would then have the fuel to love one another. That's how we were created, right? It's kind of like, yeah, you you can have a really, really great car, but if you don't fuel up, it's not going to go anywhere. It's the same thing with us. We were designed to run on the fuel of experiencing freshly, daily God's love. And when we do, we can then love others. But the problem is our nature restricts us from that. It pulls us away from that. We, we because of Adam and Eve deciding to try and do it on their own, have the same nature. And, and so we try and do it on our own. I can read a self-help book and I'll love better and I can try real hard and I can make some New Year's resolutions and boy, I'm going to love you better. And it just doesn't work because we're running on empty. Our nature literally causes us to not fully know or experience God's love. We try and do it on our own. Look at how the Bible says it, Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it's written, there's no one righteous, not even one. The word righteous means no one who lives right, no one who's ultimately defined as good. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who even understands God, no one who, who seeks him on their own. We try and do it on our own. We want to be our own gods, small g. 
He says, because of this, all of us have turned away from him. And because we've turned away from him, and by the way, what is God? This is really important. What is God? Love. Okay. And because we've tried to do it on our own, all this, it, look what it says. All have turned away from them, and because of that, they have together become worthless. Why? Life is nothing without love, and there's no love until we walk with God. None. And our nature, it, this, I was trying to think of a metaphor that would help me understand it, and then I can share it with you. Because it's like God's love is flowing. And people go, well, how can I not have love? And God's love's there and God's love's flowing, right? How can I be missing out? And I thought of the illustration of a dam. This is a word I know many of you use when you're angry, but that's not the dam I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about D-A-M, no N. You know, a dam, you can have this flowing river and you can dam it up and it's no longer flowing through, right? And it keeps piling it up and piling it up and piling it up and piling it up and kind of maybe can seep through here and there. And I believe that's the picture of our lives. Because of our nature, God's love is absolutely a flowing river. There's no doubt about it. There's nothing that can stop it. But our nature dams it off. And so we get a couple of leaks here and a couple of leaks here of God's love, but we're not experiencing the full nature of his love. And this is why every once in a while, I on my own can go, you know, do something. And people go, wow, that was really loving. Yeah, there was some leak from the dam that got through, but it's not really filling my life up. And this is exactly what's going on in our world. The, our nature shuts us off. It dams us off from God's love. And this is why there's always something missing in our relationships, even our best relationships. And I, I love talking to people who've had profoundly great relationships. You know, they talk about them, they, they cherish each other, they've always cherished each other. But when you can have an intimate discussion with these people, they can also tell you of the haunting realities of some of their experiences in that love relationship. Have you ever had those? Just talk to someone who's having their 50th wedding anniversary. So, how'd you do it? Was it all great? <laughs> Usually, you need a several weeks vacation to hear what it took to get to that. Because even in our best relationships, we mess up on love, don't we? Hurt the people who we love the most and push them away. It's just absolutely ludicrous, and it's because of our nature. And I, I want to share with you the result. Because we were made to have God's river of love flowing through us. And when flowing through us, then we could love each other, right? Love God with all your heart and soul and mind strength. And then the other flows right from it. Love your neighbor as yourself because that's how we are created. And because we're blocking him off because of our own selfishness, turning away from him, doing life without him, doing life on our own for whatever reason, we, we literally don't have the love we need. Because remember, without love, it's nothing. It's worthless. It's empty. We're... We're not getting the fuel we need to live and to find fullness and completion in our lives. And so what's the result of that? Well, here's the result. Because we need love so centrally in our lives, we seek to find love and fulfillment through cheap replacements. This is exactly what we're doing. We, we, we have to have the fuel of love to survive. And so when we're not getting God's love and its purity that then can make us pure and fulfilled, we have to find cheap replacements for love. Look at 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Don't love the world or anything in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, it's talking about the world system, the ways of the world, the darkness in the world, the sinfulness of the world, the anti-godness in the world. Don't, don't love that. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And if the love of the Father is not in him, what are we? Nothing, empty, incomplete, not fulfilled, right? Longing for it, but not getting it, desperate for it. Listen to the music that people are writing. And then it says, and here's, here's why. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and boasting of what he's heard and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away. The cheap replacements that the world offers you will pass away, but the man who does the will of God, who experiences God's love, lives forever. You want to explain your own choices? You want to explain this world and its messed up reality? Love is the right thing. The Beatles had it right. All we need is love. The only problem is they didn't understand where it was supposed to come from. And so they kept trying, as we do, to fill up their lives with cheap replacements. It's, it's what our culture is built upon. It's what our economy is built upon. It's what a lot of religions built upon. And here's what we do, cheap replacements. By that I mean some play relational roulette. Some of you play relational roulette. You jump from relationship to relationship looking for the magic to happen. The magic only happens at the beginning and then they get to know you and it disappears again. And I'm being as honest as I can. Well, why, why does it start so great and get so sour? Because you're trying to do it on your energy, your own thing, and you can't do it. And they're trying to do the same. In fact, what you're doing is you're both trying to find the love you're missing from the other. And so you take and take and take, and it breaks down. And no one can do that except for God. Others of us use alcohol, drugs, pursuits of pleasure to try and replace what we can only get in fullness from God's love. And by the way, those are cheap replacements for sure, but many are absolutely trying to fill their emptiness with them. Some try to find fulfillment in career or money. Oh, that'll do it, right? Because every rich person I've ever met is just fulfilled. Oops. Every successful person, they're all, all these successful people are terrific out there, right? No. But it's a cheap replacement. Some use religion as a cheap replacement. Some, and I, I, I'm not being mean here, I'm trying to be honest. Some are actually trying to use Northridge as a replacement for God's love. And I'm telling you, it won't work. These are the people who will come in, they'll go, oh, like a new girlfriend. Oh, this is awesome. This is so great. This is awesome. And then one little thing will go wrong or one thing will go right and they're boom, they're out of there. Ah, hypocrites or whatever. But see, what's happening is they're trying to replace what only God can do in them with a place or people and it doesn't work that way. Look, church is an important reality because in this spiritual community we can encourage each other, stir each other up to love and good works and all that different stuff. But I am not, nor are you to me, a replacement for God's love. Coming to church doesn't do it. Are y'all okay? Y'all with me here? Uh, okay, thank you. The, I was going to say the same person that knew Taylor Swift, but it was actually a man back there. So thank you very much for being with me. I really appreciate it. And then some use as the cheap replacement, you know, good works and all kinds of stuff, but none of these work. They're all temporary. They're all ultimately, they all ultimately don't have the capacity to do what only God's love can do. And you know what it does? It leads into a vicious cycle of disappointment. 
I've been a pastor a very long time. People go from church to church to church to church to church to church to church looking for the perfect church. Just like some people go from woman or man, woman or man, woman or man to, to find the perfect, you know, replacement for their husband or their wife. And it, it doesn't work. It's not going to happen. So what is the solution? And there is one. Here it is. And I'm sorry to be so simple. But I'm going to tell you the profound realities of life are usually found in the simple. The solution to the whole cycle of self-destruction is that we need to experience, wait for it, wait for it, God's love. Christmas isn't a cute little holiday. Christmas is God providing the solution we need if we're ever going to experience life. I'm so tired of us making trite that which is essential and us making essential that which is trite. Christmas is everything. We need to experience God's love. Look at 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us, which means when we don't love, it's because we haven't first been experiencing his love. It's just the reality of the world. And let me just share with you why quickly we need to experience God's love and then I'll share how and then hopefully we can do something with this. We need to experience God's love because when we experience God's love, and I'll say it first and then I'll explain it. When we experience God's love, it transforms us. It transforms people, God's love does. A lot of people go, well, how? You know, I say, hey, do you have a relationship with God? Do you know God? Well, how, how would I know? And I always go, <laughs> you'd know. You know what I mean? It's like, now someone who's been using religion as a cheap replacement for God's love, that is, you know, they're looking for, like, how do I know? I mean, do I have to get baptized again? Yeah, get baptized a thousandth time. That'll do it. What do I do? Start smoking pot? <laughs> It'll work for an hour, you know? What, how do I know? You cannot experience God's love without it absolutely transforming your life. Now that doesn't mean you become a walking picture of perfection. It means you'll never be the same. And I'm going to tell you, when I experienced his love for the first time, it forever changed me to where I could never be the same. I kept trying to go back and be the same. I still try and go back and be the same at times. I, try, I wish I could and sometimes long for the easiness of life when it was back there. But let me tell you, I can't settle because what I've experienced with him is the greatest drug on the planet because love is the fuel of life. It's the fuel. We need him. It transforms people. I, I quoted Luke 7 here. Jesus went to a Pharisee's house. The Pharisee was a religious leader of the day, and they didn't think too highly of Jesus. And Jesus went in, and this guy named Simon, this Pharisee, ignored Jesus and, you know, didn't treat him like a good host, just didn't care about him at all. And then this woman, this, she's just known as a sinful woman, comes into this party, and, and she literally just falls on her face at his feet and she weeps and wets his feet with her tears and pours perfume on his feet and literally cleans and perfumes his feet with her hair, weeping and worshiping him, loving him. And the Pharisee, of course, he doesn't get it. You see, people 
who see those who are experiencing God don't get it. Yeah, what's the deal with that woman? She's crazy. Give her some medicine. And if Jesus was as spiritually as he says, he wouldn't let that sinful woman touch her. Does he know who she is? And Jesus just, Jesus, can you imagine all the things that Jesus would love to say to us when he watched us being so stupid? He, he, Jesus just said, oh. He goes, Simon, dude, let me tell you a story. And he told him the story. He goes, there, there were these two guys that were in debt to a moneylender. One of them was so in debt that it was unpayable. Huge debt. The other, a ah, little debt, manageable debt. And the money lender decided to forgive them both. And he says, Simon, which one of those do you think would love the money lender more? And they very said, I guess the one that, you know, had been forgiven the biggest debt. Bingo! It's exactly right. And then look what Jesus says in Luke 7, 44 through 47. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman that you're saying is worthless and I shouldn't let touch me? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. By the way, they had to wash feet back then because it was dusty roads and sandals and all that stuff. So it was a good host would wash feet. He didn't. You gave me no water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You, you didn't give me a kiss, kissing, you know, kind of like you see it in European and Middle East places where you kiss each other on the cheek. It was a form of welcome and greeting and compassion. You ignored me. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, it's obvious. There's no mistaking it. Her many sins have been forgiven. For look at how she loves. But he who has been forgiven... Little loves little. He was saying, you want to know why you don't care? Because you haven't, you're damning yourself off from the wealth of God's love. This woman has finally opened herself up to the wealth and the flow of God's love. And it's transforming her. It transformed her from a woman that was trying to find love through sinful expression to a woman who was compassionately, generously worshiping at Jesus' feet because love transforms people. I am so tired of celebrating Christmas and not experiencing the transformation of its promise in my life, aren't you? Oh, it's great that we have stars on our tree and bulbs on our tree and presents on Isn't that great? As we still live in emptiness and unfulfillment, when all the while what we're celebrating is the very story of the kind of love that can finally wipe out the dam of our nature and fill us with God's love so we can finally live the lives that God wants. Shouldn't we this Christmas start experiencing that love? We should because that love transforms us. And you need to know that we need to experience God's love because it's truly why Jesus came on that first Christmas. It's the only reason he came. And now some of you might have been sitting here for quite a while, maybe at, you know, Grosseal or Celine or Brighton and, and thinking, doesn't sound like a Christmas message to me. It's more Christmas than any Christmas message you've ever heard because the reason Jesus came was to give you this love that you so desperately need so that you no longer have to live your life on cheap replacements, but you can experience the real thing. The question is, are you? I mean, look what the Bible says. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. What's he talking about? Christmas. 
He sent his one and only son into the world so the world might live through him. Why? Because the world can't live without love. Life is nothing without love. And until we could experience God's love again, until the, the nature that blocks him in our lives, our sinfulness could be removed and forgiven so his love can flow through again, we can't live. And so God showed his love by coming and redeeming us. This is love, not that we loved God, because we didn't, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I can't get too deeply into this. So many people in our world have such a hard time figuring out, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Why did he have to die on a cross? Let me just tell you something. The wages of sin is death. That's all we deserve. We'll never know God's love on our own. So Jesus came and lived the perfect life, the perfect life of love before God and before man. He fulfilled the great command all the way through. The love of God flowed through his life absolutely unhindered in every way, all time. And then he mounted a cross with nails and died, not because he deserved it so we could. And through his death, he forever removed the obstacle that keeps us from God's love, our sin. That's why he needed to die. And when he rose again, it was to say, life is new, life is beginning again, because you can now re-enter paradise because of what I've done for you. This thing called Christmas is everything for us. In fact, we need to experience God's love because it's what every one of us needs, no matter who we are. But I'm really a religious person. I don't care. So was Simon. But I'm really a messed up person. I doesn't matter. So are all of us. Every one of us needs this love. Look at John 3.16 again, because now it's in Christmas perspective. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. And by the way, you go, oh, that's a future thing. No, it's not. Without his love, we're perishing every day. With his love, we're living every day. And this is something that doesn't have to stop when we stop breathing. This can be eternal. Whatever condition I'm in when I die, that's the condition of my eternity. Am I living in his love or living outside of his love? Have I experienced his redemption or not experienced his redemption? Let me ask it of you. Have you experienced his redemption? Would you say that your life is defined by love? Remember when Jesus said, Simon, just look at her, man. Just look at her. You know, her sins have been forgiven much. It's obvious. Can you even see it in yourself? This is what I ask myself. Can I even see it in me? Can others see it in you? So here's the application. If, if we want to genuinely experience fulfillment in our lives, and look, at, I think all of us do, then the two action steps, really. Here's the first one. We have to receive God's love. We have to receive it. Look at John 1.12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the first step. We have to receive his, we have to receive his love. Not talk about it, not sing about it. Not do stuff for it. Receive it. Have you? Are you? For you who are already believers, this is not just a past tense unbeliever thing. Because, you know, God's love is something that can be received one day and shut off the next, right? Now, this doesn't mean you're no longer a child of God, but you, you're not experiencing his love. 
You have to be receiving it, living as a child of God. Are you? If you're here and you've never received his thing, you say, I might be religious or not, whatever your condition is, but I've, I've never received it. I've never put my faith in him this way. Why don't you do it now? Wherever you're at right now listening to this, why, why wouldn't you do it now? Stop celebrating a story you're not experiencing. In fact, just before I give you the last thought and conclude the talk, would you, would you just bow with me a word of prayer just for a minute? Honor this moment, would you? I mean, there's no reason to go anyplace right now. Just honor it just for a minute. And, and pray with me, would you? If you're here and you're saying, I, I want to receive them, just take my words and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I, to the best of my ability right now, I'm receiving you. I'm, I'm putting my faith in your name. I, I, I know I've sinned. I know I've been living without your love. I know I've been living in an empty way. But I believe you died on the cross to take my sin away and rose again to fill me with your love, and I'm trusting you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, just before I give you the last thought and kind of conclude the talk, I, I really encourage you, if you prayed with me, please let me know. It's really easy. In the program, uh, we've put this thing we call a connection card. It's just a little flap, and you can take it out there. You can fill it out. And on there are a couple of places where you can communicate to us what you just did. At the very bottom in that big rectangle box, it says, if you've made a decision for Jesus, let us know. And the first one, I prayed to receive Jesus in my life for the first time. Check that off, would you? Just say, look, at this is the first time I'm taking this step, and I, I, I want you to know it. And the reason I want to know it is, yeah, I can pray for you, I can celebrate that, but we want to send you information about next steps you can take in your relationship with God, and we want to send you a Bible. So let us know. And the second one is, maybe you say, I renewed my commitment to Jesus Christ. I renewed it. In other words, you haven't been experiencing his love, but you just prayed with me to take into that step. Would you, would you fill this out? There are boxes at every single exit. Throw it in there. We'll send you the Bible. We'll send you that information. But here's what we want most for you, to experience life, which comes when you experience his love. And I hope the rest of us will walk in that. The second thing I want you to see is, if we want to genuinely experience fulfillment in our lives, then we have to not just receive God's love. This is really, really important. We have to share God's love. We have to share it. What was, what was the woman in Luke 7 doing in Simon's house? Simon was going, you know, whatever. She was showing and sharing love. I mean, before the whole world, she didn't care what she came off as. She was going to share her love. She was worshiping Jesus, and she wanted the world to know it. And I believe this is what we as believers need to be once we've experienced his love. When he's transformed your love, there's nothing you want more than to share it. And isn't it sad that so many of us that say he's transformed our love are trying to keep it hidden from other people? It just shouldn't be. Look at 1 John 4, 11 through 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We should share it. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You want to start showing the world God, start sharing his love. Start loving people. And why is this an important part? Why do we call this series 16 Word Christmas? Because our mission is to wake the world up to Jesus. And we wake them up to Jesus. You know what we're going to do? We're going to show them his love. Why? Because when you experience his love, you're going to want to show his love. Are you? How? 
Jesus' love transforms us. Here, here's the best way I know to conclude the talk. The great musical artists throughout generations have had it right forever. Even the Beatles. I mean, even the Beatles, you think about that. Just get their picture in your mind, late Beatles. Ugh. Love really is all we need. It's all we need. The problem is they never got it right as to how we get it. They, they never understood where it comes from. But Christmas teaches us, doesn't it? It comes from God in the name of Jesus Christ. And we get it by receiving him and walking with him and then sharing him with the world. And when we do, his love changes how we live, changes how we love, changes the world. My prayer is that it has and will continue to change all of us. Because what the world needs is love. Christmas made it possible. But we're now the people who need to deliver it. It's my prayer we will that you will. Thanks for coming, everybody. We'll see you next time. No sacrifice can now repay.